This owner of a photo shop told a story. A boy came in. He said, sir, would you make a copy of this picture? He said, certainly I can do that. And it was a copy, it was a picture of his girlfriend. Oh, he was pretty happy with this picture. She gave it to him. So he looked on the back of the picture and it says, honey, I love you every day. I love you more and more. I'll love you forever. Her name. P.S. If we break up, I want the picture back. The lesson is called commitment to God. <laughs> commitment to God. The first point is soil. Now you might be thinking, hey, this is a good lesson for our new Christians that we had yesterday. And it is, but it's also a great lesson for those who have been Christians a long time. I, as Crystal can attest, am starting a new hobby. Bonsai trees. That's why I was so excited to see your little pots, uh, Jacqueline and Cody, at your house the other day. I was like, like mines. Hmm. Now, for those not involved in farming, anybody? Anybody? Probably not. It starts with the seeds. So, my directions were, soak the seeds in water for a day. Not in boiling water, in warm water. Keep it in that water for a day. Not more than a day. Don't go over 24 hours, because that'll kill the seed. Then, prepare the soil. And in my kit, they came in these little discs, soil, dehydrated, of course. So I had to put them in a pot, add water slowly so I didn't make a big soppy soaking mess. And this was kind of coming out just like you would planter soil, you know, something in a container. Got to have that airflow. So got to keep it fluffy so when you put it in the pot, you don't press down. You keep it fluffy for airflow. Plant at a certain depth. And you got to be aware of the temperature. Boom! I, you're looking at a bonsai master now. I am a bonsai master. The little book said, it's not rocket science. But it is science. Temperature, moisture, sun, airflow, and in the care of, in the case of bonsai plants, daily routine. Get up in the morning, spray the water. Turn the pot. When they get to a certain stage, then you got other things to do. I am a bonsai master. Jesus was talking about, as Christian read this morning in Luke chapter 8, verses 4 through 8, about things that were common knowledge to agricultural people. When you have all that seed in your bag and the sower gets that seed and he flings it as they would have done, you know, they didn't have the tractors. They flung it. 
the air would have caught, the wind would have caught it maybe, maybe they have to go low sometimes. It would blow on top of the soil you wanted. It would blow on the paths where you walked or your tractor tires hit all the time. Not a lot of good things grow there, I don't think. Maybe around the edges, they had stone to, as a fencing, or maybe there was rockiness here and there, and it would flow over there, not a great spot to harvest. And of course, the all-intensive and ever-loving aspect of farming for Dallas, the weeds. The weeds. Yes, Dallas, I hadn't forgotten you. So the people go, or the disciples go, all right, Jesus, we know you're not teaching us about agriculture. What's the deeper meaning here? What's going on? Well, he said the seed represents God's word. All right, all right. I, I get that. That makes sense. And the types of soil are different people who receive the word. Let me explain, Jesus said. Luke chapter 8, verse 12. Here's one. Luke chapter 8, verse 12. On the path. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Great. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Ouch. Do we want that? Do we want that? No, we don't want that. We don't want to waste the seed on something that's not going to grow. That's not the point. Is the point is the reality of the one receiving the word of God. The next is the rock. Verse 13, and the ones of the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But they have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, fall away. Have you ever had the stalk of a plant just drift over? And you look down and pull it up, and you're going, oh, that's a flinch piece of root. Yeah, you have, Easton? Ah, yeah, it's not like some plants, or the plant should be, strong roots. And then there's the thorns, verse 14. And as for those what fill among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. I remember this one guy I worked with. He told me he doesn't follow God anymore. This was a long time ago, and it's not a church job, although it could happen. He said, I've done everything right, and God didn't bless me with the things that I wanted. I'm gone. Sounds like he was uh, in a lot of thorns, wasn't he? Cares of the world, the pleasures he wanted, just didn't come in the way he thought it should. And then there's the good soil. And you know, to be positive about this, how much of our land is supposed to be good soil compared to the others? It should be a lot of good soil because you tended, you worked at it. As for that, in the good, uh, in the good soil, there are those who, hearing the world, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart. 
and bear fruit with patience. Boy, do you plant, you farmers out here, something that just is to look pretty. Or do you want to yield a crop, a harvest, to gain some money, pay back your debt, get out of debt, or somebody might be going on vacation with their earnings. You want good fruit. And that's a good thing. But so does God. And that's what Jesus is pointing out. My word is being spread. And I want it to land on good soil. But the good soil looks like this. They hold it fast. Now that could be interpreted a couple ways. As if you hold on to it and you grip it. Right? That makes sense. But there's another way. And it's kind of like what I'm doing with the bonsai. You maintain it. You maintain it. The commitment to God has a lot to do with our personal maintenance for ourselves. Are we getting up in the morning studying God's word? Are we thanking God for the time we had to sleep and what he does when he works and we're sleeping? Are we involved in the lifestyle he wants us to have? Are we maintaining our walk with God? Hold fast. Maintain the word in an honest and good heart. And bear fruit. Bear fruit. If you're maintaining yourself in God, what is that fruit? It's living the life of a Christian. For one thing. It's serious about your walk. It's serious about your commitment. Which leads me to the second point. The cross. The cross is not just a nice piece of jewelry that you put around your neck and go, isn't that shiny? It's a symbol of death, torture, pain. And Jesus used it to show what? Commitment. Not only commitment to the Father and obedience, but commitment to us because he wants us saved. He's committed to our salvation. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. And all this lesson is coming out of Luke. And he said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. And follow me daily. Maintenance. Getting involved in decision making, that's good for God. Sacrifice, perseverance, study. All this is commitment. And death. We are supposed to die daily to the old life and commit and be transformed daily in the new life. The new life is fun to think about. Paul talked heavily about, big word, here we go, 
sanctification, which means basically holiness. And once we're in Christ, God expects us to do what? Grow. Now, does that just mean physically with weights? No, not at all. That means we look at God's word. We look at godly representatives of God's word. We study God's word and we go, what does God consider holy? And we say, I need to do that. I need to live that life. I need to walk this path because God considers it holy. And so should we, and that should be our goal, is to walk that path, live a holy life. Romans, oh, I did have another passage. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 4 says this, what shall we say then? Are we to continue to sin that grace may abound? Oh, by no means. How can we die to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ have been baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk, what? In newness of life, in holiness. How many of us have to work on that a little bit? It's a constant, absolutely. But is there a difference between working on it and not? Does it show? Yeah. Yeah, it does. So we got to pick up our cross daily. And work at it. So one, if when one is made right or declared righteous by God, it's time to live it out. It is a daily task. We should struggle with maintenance leading to bearing fruit. Holiness. We are instruments for what? Righteousness. Not whatever we want to do, but righteousness. Romans 6, 12 through 13. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. We are to maintain. That doesn't mean maintain in the sense of, well, just keep a little bit of sin over here and I'll maintain a little bit of spark of that. No, that's not the maintenance I'm talking about, is it? I'm, I'm talking about cleaning out that and maintaining what God wants us to do, how God wants us to live. We are instruments for righteousness little story called No God and No Food. A communist official asked the farmer, how's it going this year with your produce? So many potatoes, the farmer said, it will reach to the foot of God. The commissar said, 
We're the Soviet Union. We don't believe in God. Well, <laughs> there's no potatoes either. If we follow God, we should have appropriate fruit of righteousness. You get it? We should have it. And it should be seen, not the old ways, the ways of righteousness. The old ways show lack of, the ways of righteousness show our connection with God. The last point, I entitled it Tower and Salt. There's a lot more in here. But these are the two points I wanted to bring out. This comes out of Luke chapter 14. And I think this is dealing with somebody who wants to be a serious disciple. Serious disciple. Not one who is choked out by the world. Not one who's on the path that everybody walks on. Not one who's in the rocks, but someone who's in good soil. The roots are growing. The fruit is extending. Luke chapter 14, 25 through 27. Luke 14, 25 through 27. Now the great trials accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife, and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life. He cannot be my disciple. Harsh, harsh that is, isn't it? Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Ouch. Did he, Jesus ever say to someone like Peter, if you won't let me wash your feet, you cannot be my disciple? He said that, didn't he? He did. Well, I guess if you don't pick up your cross daily and follow me or lift God up above all these other relationships, you can't be his disciple either. Does he have the power to do that? Man. Let's read on. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost? He's saying... You live out the Christian life, or you become a Christian, make plans to build. Make plans to succeed. Make plans and dedicate yourself so that you can one day go, look, I finished. Isn't that a nice tower? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him. We're not going to mock people. But we sure don't want them to, in the spiritual way, finish at the foundation and not finish the build. They need to stick it out. The tower takes serious planning and dedication to finish. And so does being Christ's disciples. Consider Noah in Genesis chapter 6 through 9. What if he didn't finish the ark? Would he 
have been a disciple of God? If he didn't finish, Luke chapter 14, verse 33. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Does that mean I have to give everything up? Or does that mean I need to put God first? God must be first. He'll provide you with all the other stuff, but God must be first. And then there's this passage, Luke 14, 34 and 35, talks about salt. I like salt. Salt is good, it says. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall it be salty again? How shall it be restored? He's talking about the disciple who's given up. It is of no use for the soil or for the manure pile. It is to be thrown away. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Basically what that means is, are you listening? Are you listening? Our discipleship must never lose its taste. We must remain committed to God. Daily maintenance, fruit of righteousness, be instruments to his will. And to show all people around us that he is our God. And we're going to follow him all the way through. Are you listening? Are you Listening. The lesson is called commitment to God. If there's anybody here today that has any concerns, prayer requests, or otherwise, please come forward now as together we stand. This world is not mine.